the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com.
Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Can revival be prayed down? Almighty God, as I speak the word that you've put on my heart, would you quicken us in your spirit? And we will give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. In the name of Jesus, amen. Peter and John are walking into the service where now thousands are gathering to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And as they do so, they have to pass through the gate beautiful. And there is that beggar, and they say, Silver or gold have I not, but such as I have I give unto you. But of course, in the verses just prior to that, it's very clear that men and women have been coming up to them and laying bags of coins at their feet. It's not a money problem. They could give the beggar any amount of money they needed to give him. But instead of mounting a rescue operation, instead of inviting him to come to a homeless dinner, instead of doing a humanitarian act, they said, look, we don't have anything to give you. But what we have, we will give you. Rise up and walk. And that man came up out of his mess. And he was set free. And he went rejoicing with the disciples into the meeting, testifying gloriously that he was saved, that God had moved on his heart, had healed his body, had totally restored him. Now, there was a very adverse reaction to this amongst the Pharisees and the leading party of the priesthood. So immediately in chapter 4, we find the priests and the captain of the temple guard, the Sadducees, they come up to Peter and John. You can see them very officiously walking up with their robes just right. And they come walking up and with their self-righteousness, they begin in a very angry way to seize Peter and John. But many believed what had happened and believed the word. And in verse 4, the number of men grew to about 5,000. Now you recognize probably another 5,000 women and children. Suddenly we're looking at a church body that has grown from 120 people almost overnight. They are 15,000 people strong. It was a church born in a day. It was birthed by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't birthed by a campaign of marketing. It wasn't birthed by having 40 days of purpose. It wasn't birthed by going out and passing out tracts to everybody at the metro station. It was birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, with this church being birthed, we have to look for a moment at what happened with the disciples. They're brought before this council. They're very angry. And they say in verse 7, by what power or what name did you do this? And Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he says to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, 
and are asked how it was how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, and this man stands before you healed. Now, one of the most astonishing and controversial statements of the entire New Testament is before us. Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So there are not many ways into the kingdom of heaven. There is one way into the kingdom of heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. And so the Muslims, there are many fine Muslims, upright, living moral lives, performing acts of charity. My neighbor, who's a Muslim, just told me, he said, I've just sent a large amount of money to help the Afghan people. I said, how did you do it? He said, oh, there was a a soldier going over. And so I just gave him the money and said, give it to whoever you find that needs it. No recognition, no, no glory. Just take it over there and pass it out. Well, that's a wonderful act of kindness on his behalf. He could have used that large sum of money for his children for his family. But Allah is not the way into the kingdom of heaven. Buddha is not the way into the kingdom of heaven. There is one way in, and his name is Jesus. And it is through repentance from crucifying Jesus that we enter into that kingdom. This was not sugar. This was salt. This was right up close confrontation with the very people who had murdered Jesus Christ. These were the same people. But Peter, having no fear for his life, boldly speaks and says, it is in the name of Jesus, his name. Now, they saw that Peter was an unschooled and ordinary man. You know how they could tell? He spoke in that Galilean brogue. He killed the king's English. He was a common man. He was not an educated man. He was a fisherman. But Jesus had said, I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. And now we see the evidence. They take note that these men had been with Jesus in verse 13. Has anyone this past week taken note that you've been with Jesus? Has it been obvious? Has there been the glow of God's glory on your face in spite of all of your faults? Is there glory of God shining out of you? Or is the world shining out of you? I couldn't help but pray as I read this chapter and say, Oh God, oh God. I need your glory to shine out of my face. I need your glory to shine from my face. I need men and women to be able to look at me 
Listen to my word of testimony. Watch my deeds and say, that man has been with Jesus. That man has been in the presence of Almighty God. They don't know what to do with him. They command them not to speak in verse 18 or to teach in the name of Jesus, but Peter and John reply right back, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. And then they say, for we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. I want to stop there just a minute. None of you can help speaking about what you've seen and heard. The question is, what are you speaking about? You are speaking about what you've seen and heard. You're speaking about the redskins. You're speaking about the cars. You're speaking about the job. You're speaking about whatever it is you've seen and heard. If you have seen and heard more of Jesus than anything else, then you'll speak about Jesus. That requires that time in the prayer closet. That requires the reading of Scripture because that's where you go to find Jesus. Have you ever just said, I need to go be in the presence of Jesus? And you go into your prayer closet. You go into that place where you meet him. And you just sit there. You don't say anything. You don't need to. You're just in his presence. You know he's there. He knows you're there. And you're just saying, could I be with you? I mean, what parent in this house does not enjoy having a child come up and say, Daddy, could I just be with you? Not, Daddy, could I have this and could I have that? Daddy, I've got this problem and Daddy, I've got that problem. Daddy, you're not treating me fairly. I need you to treat me different. I need what I need now. I mean, what a difference when the child just says, Daddy, can I be with you? I won't talk. I won't say anything, Jesus. I just want to be with you. Just to sit in his presence. But let's move because this is not what the Lord's asked me to speak about. The question at hand is, can revival be prayed down? And suddenly, suddenly, in the book of Acts, we run right into the first revival in the Christian church, unsuspecting, not even really being looked for. Just suddenly, revival comes in the body. Watch how it comes. Chapter 4 of the book of Acts. On their release... Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. There has never been in the history of the Christian church one revival that has come without a people praying for it. Every revival that has ever come in the Christian church has been prayed down. It has never happened simply because it happened. God doesn't work that way. It always comes in response to prayer. And now 
They're praying, and it's terribly important to see what they prayed about, because that then will become a model for us. Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord, they said. You made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. Do you see what they're doing? They're saying, Sovereign Lord, you're the one in authority over my life. You're the one in authority over your church. Now, you recognize that the 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit. But now they're a congregation of 15,000 people. They have not yet been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They need revival. They're living godly lives. They are being taught the word of God. But they are not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Watch what happens. You spoke in verse 25 by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. In other words, they're recognizing this is a battle between good and evil. And they're saying, why does the evil keep coming against you, O God? There is no excuse for evil to come against Almighty God. If there were a reason for sin, it would not be sin. If there could be an explanation for sin, it would not be sin. It is simply rebellion. And this church is recognizing that there is absolutely no reason for sin. There is no excuse for sin. And I, for one, have excused myself so many times for my sin. I've said, God, you know, I'm just that way. You know, God, I can't help it. You know how hard I try, God. I'll just keep trying to do my best, God. And he says, no, stop trying to do your best and just get to the cross. Get this thing over with. Die out. Be resurrected in the fullness of Jesus. Verse 27, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Now, doesn't Jesus know this already? Of course. Then why are they praying it? They're not informing God. They're agreeing with God. They're coming in agreement with the truth as it's shared by the gospel according to the apostles. This is vital. Revival will never come until we have agreed with the scriptures. When we agree with God about our sin, our sin will be dealt with. As long as we make excuses for our sin, there will be no revival. It demands an agreement with God. They were agreeing. Verse 28, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting 
was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, I want you to see the sign that revival has come. Verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Revival brings God's people into total unity. And that unity cannot be broken by the devil. It brings the children into unity with the father. It brings the adults into unity. Elijah said, according to the book of Malachi, hearts of the children would be turned to the fathers, and the hearts of the fathers would be turned to the children. That's a sign of revival. That's unity. Now look at the unity. See how it was worked out. No one claimed that any of his possessions were his own. But they shared everything they had. No, they didn't move into a commune. They just said, okay, all that I have belongs to Jesus. Jesus, how do you want to use it? It's yours. I give it to you. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everyone as he had need. That was what was going on in revival. No longer was a person saying, I've got to hoard this for the future, because the future was now. The future was Jesus Christ. Everything in the future was taken care of. They were going to heaven. They didn't need a heaven here. Someone said to me yesterday, Pastor, when are you going to buy a house? I said, when Jesus buys the house. Well, they said, what are you going to do for retirement if you're not building equity in a house? I said, I'm not retiring. You're what? I'm going to serve Jesus till I die. He is my provision. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay steady at the plow. I don't have time to go play golf. I don't have time to move to a retirement community and get up in the morning and watch the morning news and then get in my little golf cart and steer it around. I'm sorry, I've got a job to do. I've been assigned by Jesus, and I'm going to do the same thing Moses did. When I'm ready, when Jesus says your work is finished, I'm going to lay down and I'm going to die. And if I have more than six pence in my pocket when I die, you'll know I'm a thief and a robber. I'm not saving for the future. The future is now. I've been brought into the kingdom of heaven now. And that future day over there, they don't require money over there. You go to the tree of life and pick. You don't have to have the bank account in heaven. When you begin to look at life in this manner and you begin to see what Jesus Christ is doing, you begin to recognize that he wants to supply our need. He wants to supply our need. Do you know how to touch heaven's throne for your financial need? 
If you don't, you're in trouble. Because you're going to think that it's up to you. And if it's up to you, you're lighting your own torches and you're going to lie down in torment. He's our source. He provides for us. You go to the job, not for the money. You go to the job to testify that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord. You go to confront darkness. You go to proclaim Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's be very straight. As long as we are content with life as we know it, Revival will not come. There must come a sharp dissatisfaction with life as it is. There must come a soul searching, a soul. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.